Spags, we're back on a Monday, and we have to pick up the pieces from a truly tumultuous first weekend of the USFL. Yeah, the USFL week one had its hurdles, weather generated, DFS issues as well. Going to touch on all that stuff as well as give you guys a recap that'll hopefully give some actionable items, assuming everybody comes back to play for week two. We'll also dig into some NFL news. Baker Mayfield, wide receivers holding out. Going to do a rookie sophomore draft and right after this intro too. Some personal stuff that I'm going to hit on and probably cry. So check it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing? How did you make out with this USFL kerfluffle of a weekend, I'll say? Um, yeah, it was uh, a true disaster. I think we can get into it in a little bit. Um, I actually had some decent lineups. I have a lineup right now sitting in 18th place. It would be in first place if I would have had, uh, you know, the 21 point, uh, defensive score. So, you know, pretty close to, uh, to hundred K, although then DraftKings, of course, extended the slate despite the game being postponed. So who knows if that would have held, but, uh, yeah, a, a rough first weekend here for the USFL, obviously the weather issues in Alabama, uh, all of that. But I do think before we get into it, Spags, I know um, you posted about this on Twitter this morning. You talked about this um, last Friday, but, you know, having to say goodbye to your dog. And I know you're you're hurting right now. And I think that people would definitely like to hear from you and, and hear about Cali and, uh, and, you know, just take a, a little time to uh, to grieve. Yeah, so it's one of those things where, you know, on this show, I think Pete and I, to our credit, you know, we don't try to hide stuff a lot on the show, whether it be, you know, like actual, oh God, already fucking the voice troubles. Uh, but it's one of those things where like, you know, we are people. Like, I think at the end of the day, like it's important to me in my content career. And I think the same for Pete is, to, you know, whether Pete's in the discord, whether it be us in the show, like to just keep it real with you guys when stuff is hard, when, um, when things just you know, maybe aren't what could be the best outcome. And I think I try to keep a positive view on things. And this weekend, as I mentioned on Friday's show, did have to put my dog Callie down over the weekend. Uh, basically, the last nine months was suffering through a uh, battle with mast cell cancer, which if you ever have that, get it treated as soon as possible. We couldn't do that because of the oncology issues, a lot of backup across the world there. You can see some photos of her on the screen that Pete's playing her as a puppy, uh, her with my older dog, Penny, who's actually in the room with me right now, probably because she sensed that I'd be blubbering like a bitch within minutes of, of introing this to the, the thing. Um, you can see Callie on the screen with my baby, Luca, and then, um, you know, something that meant a lot to me as well uh, to have her be here through this journey. And then there's a photo that uh, I didn't even realize I had that was actually a shared album with an ex-girlfriend of like just you know just she took a photo of me while I was asleep a cute thing that people do sometimes and it happened to be one of those things that I saw and was like oh this really sums up our friendship really well so um you know for me it's just one of those things that you know Callie honestly like I heard a lot of people today who were just like oh I, I remember Callie being in the background of all the awesome streams or whatever same thing with barstool content that I had done you know at various times of my life that I had used you know Callie as like a, a photo in a blog post or whatever or just you know a throwaway story or something like that and she had one like she had a tough life she had you know I got her from the store they were giving her pancake syrup to perk her up I was like I can't let this dog stay here because she's so sweet and they're like clearly something here is wrong ended up being that she had worms she also got stung by a bee within two hours of owning her had to go to an emergency vet within two hours uh, so fun when you pay a thousand dollars for a dog then also have to pay a vet bill uh, immediately after that but it ended up being you know kind of the story of her life where uh, she had like really bad allergies had to get shots every month to kind of keep 
uh, herself from like scratching herself raw and whatever. And then she ended up having this cancer battle and, you know, and as was always the case with her, just pushed through it about as beautifully as one can, about as gracefully as one can, um, where I think Pete and I are similar ways with this, where if anything goes and makes me vaguely uncomfortable or, or just makes me, you know, unhappy in some way, I do not always put on the bravest face. I do not often, you know, suck it up and just, you know, be the smiliest, you know, best possible version of myself for other people. And that was one thing that Callie, I think, really did, where these dogs just kind of, they had like representing parts of yourself that you just, you want to be better at. And you want to like, you know, especially when you live your life kind of doing this stupid thing that we call content and whatever. And like, that's, you know, I'm very lucky and Pete's very lucky to, to kind of, you know, be able to turn this into something that is our full lives. Like it's hard to kind of, you know, have this part of your life that's gone that really represented the best parts of you, you know, the least caustic, the least snarky, the least, uh, you know, whatever you hate about yourself, this me thing attitudes that I hate about myself. But I think that Callie sort of, you know, balanced out and mellowed out in a way that um, I am going to be missing deeply. So um, if you are somebody who tweeted me or, or sent me a message on Instagram, thank you very much. Cause it, one of the hardest things like I've ever had to go through, like, and, it, and it's like so stupid because some people go through it and people like lose family members and lose lives and all that shit. But ultimately it's like, what does it mean to you? And to me, Callie meant, a shitload to me and a shitload to who I want to be for, for her, for, uh, for my other pets, for, for Penny and Nilla, my cat, who I don't get to post as much. Cause I was, I was one of those things. It's hard to post a cat, you know, people like dogs. I get it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, same thing for my son, for Luca, uh, for Alex, my partner who we're, you know, whatever we're doing, we're doing the actual paperwork to do that stuff behind the scenes. Cause that's, you know, kind of what my, you know, life is. And it's just, it's one of those things for me that I, you know, I just wanted to talk about it here and, and really, and truly, like if you are out there and you have a dog, you know, give your dog a little love, give them all the fucking treats, let them lick you endlessly. Cause that's what Callie liked. And that was just what brought her joy and just the simplest things. And I think, you know, appreciating every minute you have with your dogs, obviously with your humans, your cats, your lizards, your whatever the fuck, whatever is bringing that joy for you, just appreciate it while you're going through it. Because once it is gone, it is, it's hard. It's hard to push through, but you do it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. So yeah, well, cool. good stuff. Uh, no, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, I can tell the chat really appreciates it. And I know it's hard. <laughs> I, I offered to Spags, uh, if you wanted to take uh, today off, I would have more than understood. And uh, to know that you're willing to come here and, and kind of push through it, know that it might be a cathartic experience for you to talk about it, I think is really nice. And obviously, everybody in the chat, you know, saying what we're all thinking, um, that we uh, we love you, we care about you, we know how hard this is going to be, Scott, talking about going through something similar and, and still dealing with it. So yeah, the way pets, you know, integrate their ways into our lives, it is, is you know, they, they hold a massive place in our hearts. And, you know, I, I think just from the outside, I think it's kind of poetic and nice that you've had so much change in the past, you know, six months moving across the country, new jobs, uh, you know, having a, a new kid and the fact that Callie got to be there for, for that and being part of like, this isn't a part that you, you know, like left in LA, like Callie was there to kind of springboard you into this new part of your life. And I think that's pretty cool. No, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys. You know, again, this is a fantasy football show. We try to keep it light. We try to keep it silly, all that. But ultimately, like, I am proud of what we do on this show by being real human beings and being unafraid to be, like, vulnerable with shit like this. And and I hope that if somebody else out there is going through it, like, hey, you know, I'm going through it right here and I'm going through it. And I'm not ashamed of, like, feeling the emotions. I'm not ashamed to grieve and all that. And I think ultimately that's, you know, one of those things that, um, you know, we just all have to deal with. And how you deal with it is going to be the true judge of your character. And 
Um, you know, and I hope that Callie will be proud. And it's stupid to say that like she's a dog. She's a, yeah, like she's a yellow lab. She'd have been happy with anything. But you do hope that you make him proud along the way. And and same thing with you, Pete. You are you are my yellow lab of podcast. <laughs> I just want to make you proud time and time again. Yeah, my uh, I only had one dog growing up. Uh, his name was Duke, and he was part yellow lab, part Sharpay. And um, he ended up passing away uh, probably like 2012. I had already moved out to Boston, so I wasn't around for the last legs of his life. But man, I, I remember that feeling too of when my parents called me, and it's just a gut punch. You you just think of how. You think through the way you interact with dogs and it's like every memory of like every day of your life can revolve around them in some way. You can just remember coming home and them greeting you or just sometimes those tender moments like you on the couch there resting and how they just become part of the fabric of your life. And it's really hard when that is kind of removed um, in ways that seem unfair. Yeah. And I would say for anybody else out there too, if you don't have a dog and you have the room in your life, obviously having the time and all that, just take the leap and do it. There's always a lot of reasons to not do something. Obviously, you know, again, be smart about your budget, be smart about all those things that we you know, try to advocate for responsibility here. But like, I can tell you, this is like one of the purest loves I've ever had for anything in my life. And, um, you know, I'm richer for the experience and I would certainly, you know, adopt a dog if you can, or if you're in a shitty puppy store, that's giving the dog pancakes here Buy the dog, I guess at cost, a, a minus EV move theoretically, but a plus EV hmm. move for my life. Um, but I think that's the one thing I would say is, you know, just have room in your heart for these animals. And I think you'll be surprised when you get back, but let's move it on Pete. And, uh, what better way to move it on? Of course, than ask for likes. <laughs> that's what this all distills down to at the end, our entire content careers. It's all for the likes. So please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel, whether you like this segment or not. You know, Pete and I, again, as I mentioned here, I think I'm very proud of this show being more than a fantasy football show. And I know Pete is, is too, or I hope so. I'm going to say it. And I hope, and I know Pete is as well, just as proud of what we do for this stuff. But um, we're going to keep doing it. And we keep, you know, as these things come along in life, we're going to be there. And um, and we're going to keep doing football because that's just, it's what we love, Pete. We, we're all about the game of ball, as, as any show <laughs> with a 10-minute dog intro will <laughs> do. Trust me, I think I, I would much prefer to talk about what a great dog Callie was than to uh, talk about what a disaster uh, this DraftKings USFL slate was uh, for anyone who uh, had to deal with that over uh, Easter weekend. But I did see one of your tweets. It seemed like you were getting some joy from uh, watching the football. You seemed you know, pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as awful as maybe some people anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I'll send you also, I think one thing that brought me joy after our show on Friday where we had the great Justin Freeman who was down boots on the ground for Run the Sims, uh, well, for himself, really, but also covering things for Run the Sims, uh, posted a tweet here. We had a controversy on Friday where Justin had met Breakers mascot Dave the Wave, who uh, we dubbed the New Orleans Breakers, the team of Splash Play, and then Justin met this mascot face-to-face, -face, a man who could have been called Splash, and Pete shook his hand right there. <laughs> On our clip, one it's, of our most uh, viewed Instagram clips, which I know Pete was overjoyed with, but um, just insane that that's what happened. And here's the follow up: uh, Blob, the Philadelphia Stars mascot, and Dave the Wave going head to head, and Blob fucking owning his ass because that's what Dave the Wave. Yeah, any any game tape breakdown you got of Blob on that? You know, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see all of these storylines, uh, you know, pull up there to have uh, Dave and the Blob clash just in the same way that they had clashed here on uh, on the mascot review. Uh, by the way, there was one comment uh, in the did you see the comment from the guy from the show on Friday that was super mad? that we took 40 minutes to get to actual DFS information. No, I did not. But if you could pull it up, I'd love to. <laughs> I would love to pull this comment up because it was so good. Um, it, it also said the reason that it was bad that we took so long is because we have to try to grow the game. Um, oh. I, I got to read this comment because it did bring me a lot of joy here from primetime. 
All right, 40 minutes in, and we are finally talking football. Uh, oops, where'd it go? Uh, and we're finally talking football. Garbage, guys. Let's go. Gotta be better. If we are going to grow the game, guys, have to feel like they can get an edge watching the first 40 minutes of this show. I feel dumber. And then I that was that was all I could muster up as a reply. How could he feel dumber given that we expertly and with tremendous <laughs> graphics from our marketing team, our guy Ross over at Edge Sports doing a great job putting it together. How could that have possibly led anybody astray, Pete? Because I think if anything, the mascot rankings played out to be even more important than we could have possibly thought. It's also just like, maybe we did something right with our SEO because that's clearly your first time watching uh, the show if you think we take a while to get to the meat of the programming. I mean, we're going to do an underdog draft today and it's probably not going to start for another 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it honestly made me. It does make you feel good to see that because I presume that guy was searching USFL. Uh -huh. uh, said that we are making people dumber. Look, I I think ultimately I I think we had some actionable advice here, and really the most actionable advice. Like right now, I'm in the in the black for the weekend, and I guess everybody will will make their money back on DraftKings. We could talk more about that right now. Um, but I do think like we made good lineups, and we told people some of the core things, some of the teams to avoid, some of the guys to bubble up. TJ Logan, we were very big on this show before. Um, all of us, I believe. So I think we had actionable stuff, Pete. And, and if anything, I think we might win money. I didn't change a single thing. I could tell you those ownership projections leaked as part of DraftKings. Uh, they accidentally put it out not only on Saturday for the four-game slate, also again Sunday after acknowledging that they put out the ownership projections for the four-game slate. Hilarious move by them. Uh, but I didn't change a single thing, Pete. And I do think I will finish profitable this weekend. Yeah, I didn't end up changing anything either. I had already, I was already pretty overweight. Um, a lot of kind of the lower owned guys and had made some stands. I mean, my thesis was established the run was driving a lot of the ownership. They were actually one of the only sites that I really saw had ownership published. So I was already skewing way away from some of those guys. Like I had a huge fade on those Pittsburgh running backs. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go tweak things either. I think if I was really being the most plus EV USFL DFS grinder that I could be, there was some stuff I could have probably tweaked, but again, it was already a free roll and knowing how much of a shit show this was like, imagine if we had gone in there and tweaked all this stuff, then that game got postponed. And then he said, now it's not part of the slate. Like I was like, I am not investing any more time in this specific slate. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. And I felt I made good enough lineups that I'm kind of riding them out. Uh, the one guy I will say, and we're going to go game by game and talk about it. Jordan Sewell, Pete, I don't know how you ended up with him based on your numbers, but boy, that was the big disappointment of the weekend for me. I have some lineups that have the breakers defense have, I think Stevie Scott and TJ Logan and uh, would be looking really good if it weren't for Jordan Sewell having, I think under two fantasy points is where he finished. Yeah. And that, and that was kind of what we were, were talking about a lot with Justin, that we were going to head into these games. A lot of these teams had very uncertain depth charts at wide receiver, the market, you know, whether because of DraftKings pricing, whether because of the draft capital, whether because of their previous history, like became overconfident that some of these guys were going to be more of the alpha in the offense than others. And so even though you still wanted to focus on correlation with your stacks, like if you do the double stack without Sewell, you know, you're, you're in much better shape um, than otherwise. So yeah, it's going to be hilarious to look at the projections for this coming week compared to this week and just see how much of it has changed. 
Yeah, I think uh, certainly you know some ownership was left in in the gutters. I know Sean Poindexter, another one. Yeah, Poindexter had zero points. Um, he was one that was out there. You know, I think like half the time overall. I didn't see the final snap count numbers, but was watching some of that game in the background. Sewell though was out there for a lot of that fucking game, and he just was not getting the ball thrown his way. And when he did get it thrown his way, there was one deep ball where it, like ricocheted off his chest and after like not hitting the db somehow i thought brian scott and uh pete i want to go game by game here what a flex showing your 1400 and winnings potentially um but i think brian like brian scott was my favorite part of the weekend but i guess overall yeah. the saturday game was probably the most exciting by a wide margin yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna level with you guys right now and you know despite being a usfl thought leader despite you know pouring many hours into a video despite pouring many hours into making dfs lineups i did not watch a second of usfl action this weekend so uh, saturday was lively like they had a crowd sunday was a bad idea because people were doing easter things uh hopefully not not everybody was putting their dog down at once they couldn't make it to the arena but that the arena was dead empty completely saturday was like lively and they were into it yeah i mean th- that was also the, i mean it wasn't the best scheduling on their part, clearly, right? First of all, they were playing in an outdoor stadium. They hadn't thought through spring weather concerns. Um, and then on top of it, it's Easter Sunday. You know, the the ratings did well on Saturday, topped up or peaked at, I think, three and a half million uh, live viewers, which is a pretty good number, all things considered. But I mean, just trying to put a triple header uh, and then have it staggered because of weather delays on Easter, that's just not a recipe for high viewership. I thought it was a well-produced show. I thought the cuts to Mike Pereira where he like he's the head of officiating but also still doing his booth job. So there was one call, I think, uh, during the Stars game where one of the guys caught the ball and like landed in his elbow hit but his like knee went out in pretty fast fashion so the you know live refs couldn't tell immediately. Like he's like, "Yeah, I think we're going to over- overturn his call right now. His elbow hit." And it is like more action-oriented. Uh, Paul in the chat will saying the drones were ridiculous but also kind of fun. I thought it was like a solid presentation. I think it's going to be tough maintaining like with the Sundays. Like I think Sundays are going to weirdly be a tough time to get viewers for this. Like Saturday night, people at home, I think you saw the ratings there. As Pete mentioned, about 3 million combined between the simulcasts on Fox and NBC and wherever else that led to. But I feel like Saturday night main event feels like something. Even tonight, Pete, maybe the Monday gets you a little bit more. But I feel like Sunday, it's weird. It's like people don't want to be working on Sundays, you know, even though it's like it's not the NFL. So to them, it's work. Yeah, and I mean, this upcoming week schedule is interesting. We have a Friday night game. We have a doubleheader on Saturday, but with a decent chunk of time in between, a 12 p.m. Eastern kickoff and a 7 p.m. And then we have a Sunday at 3 p.m. And so, you know, I think Dricko asked this in the chat earlier, and everyone's question, We and we do have to talk about um, kind of all the DraftKings snafus as well, but like, I, I think part and parcel with this conversation is there is a legitimate chance DraftKings says this was too much work. It was too much hassle and too many messes to clean up than is worth the potential income we have from spinning up these contests. And so I'm legitimately worried that DraftKings might just say, we're not doing this. This isn't, this isn't worth it for us. That's like the, that's like the Hannibal Burris meme of like from Eric Andre, where it's like, Oh, who shot Hannibal? And he's holding the gun. It's like, if you fuck up your ownership showing, like that's not the USFL's fault. The game's getting fucked up due to rain and whatever. Also not the USFL's fault, but I could see how maybe you, you put a little more onus their way that on that one, but it's more than the combination of those two factors where like the USFL, fell didn't say hey put the ownership out for every game even though like this this is gonna change if anything i'm sure they prefer that not be the case well yeah and my my thing too is like i i hope whoever is you know a rep for usfl and for fox or whatever like 
they should be plugged in to some of the issues that DraftKings had with this contest and be in conversations with DraftKings because they are highly incentivized to have DraftKings keep offering these contests because, I mean, how it would be hard to calculate the amount of interest being driven by DFS and gambling around this. It has to be monstrous. And so I'm going to pull up this tweet though, from uh, John Proctor had a nice little summary of everything that went down this weekend with USFL on DraftKings. First, uh, of course, on Friday, they accidentally gave out 20,000 free tickets to the main contest. Which wait, was it- that accidental? I didn't know that. <laughs> It was accidental, yeah, because it then filled within seconds and there were lots of people, or within hours, and there were lots of people who wanted to get in. And I I, I did a show with Kyle Dvorak uh, on, on Saturday. He wanted to get into the contest, but it had already, had already filled. Um, then they leaked full ownership at lock. Of course, anyone familiar with playing DraftKings DFS knows that once a game starts, then the next wave of ownership is revealed. So you can see who's live in your opponent's lineup, but not the rest of their lineup. Then they had DST scoring wrong, uh, a touchdown score wrong for basically the entire slate. And then they moved late swap back uh, on one of the games as well. So it was just, it was complete amateur hour on their part and uh, didn't make for a fun sweating experience for the fans. I would say, and you know, again, we let's talk about the game by game a little bit more here because I'm with you that this is not a fun experience. But I thought the games did justify, you know, the game, the overall league existence. And it started with that Saturday game where the Stallions beat the Generals 28 24. I thought it was shockingly fun. That was where I had put my tweets out. I was still watching on Sunday after just basically convalescing on the couch, um, but was really more engaged on Saturday and was feeling the crowd energy and all that. And Pete, um, Okay, so let's, let's actually, we, if I had known you didn't watch a single moment, we could have done this as a bit. Uh, but, but what's, uh, out of the data takeaways that you could see from here, like, what do you think the story of the game was? Like, how'd this one go? Which one? The the Stallions Generals on Saturday night. Well, I know the takeaway from DFS players is the scoring all came from, you know, players who were sub 2% owned. I, I believe the backup quarterback uh, for the Stallions too ended up outscoring uh, Perez. So it was one of those, we know absolutely nothing and are bad at projecting this when we have no data. So it was like, it was bad luck, but also that where Alex Magoo, um, his name apparently is Magoo, despite being spelled like Magoo, which really threw me for a loop hearing the announcers say Magoo over and over and over again on Saturday. Um, he got hurt within the first quarter. They then bring in Jamar Smith. He ends up being actually, well, competent fantasy-wise, probably not competent in terms of a real-life play. Uh, did lead the team with 11 for 21 passing, 156 yards, and a touchdown, along with 3 for 13 rushing uh, and a rushing TD for himself. But then also, on the other side of the game, uh, you had the timeshare, which was something that we... I actually, I think I'd asked about with Justin Freeman on Friday and he was like, yeah, I think that, you know, Johnson's going to get some, uh, some backup kind of work to Trey Lance kind of work from last year, maybe some Taysom Hill work. He ended up being a full timeshare, but was a timeshare in a way that Luis Perez was throwing still more than enough. Luis Perez threw for 143 yards, two touchdowns, apparently had a 175.6 QBR in his 13 for 18 passing. So basically the, the end, some of it, Pete was like, it was actually a very fun game on Saturday. Like there was one crazy long one-handed catch by Osiris Missile. A uh, Randy Satterfield was the guy who nobody had a receiver. Uh, but you kind of you look at him and you're like, oh, you actually look you look like a monster. Like the way that he looked on the field also got hurt on one of his touchdown grabs. We kept playing through it. He had five catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Like it was legitimately fun competition where two receivers over 20 fantasy points, which I feel like normally Pete is a tell that you had like a fun kind of exciting game. Yeah, no, I I think just purely from scoring and some of those plays, it was off to uh, a very promising start because I think there was legitimate concern, uh, as we saw with some of those XFL offenses, that there's going to be a ton of running, not a lot of quick scoring plays, not a lot of up-tempo. So yeah, as far as a first game goes, I think this is about as good as you could have hoped for. 
Then on the Sunday games, the Gamblers Panthers one was one that I thought was the worst. Um, was really not uh, was not going on time because of the weather delay. So that definitely impedes the momentum. When already on Easter Sunday, you know people are doing enough other things. I'm sure that didn't <laughs> probably not the most enticed to stick around. But it was another timeshare for the Panthers where you had Shea Patterson and Paxton Lynch splitting reps. Patterson ended up playing a lot more of the game. Had an okay day, 192 passing yards, one touchdown. Uh, the running game was more dominant uh, overall for the Panthers, even though they did lose this one to Houston. Uh, it was Stevie Scott, who was projected fairly well by everybody out there, so that ended up paying off 18 carries, 72 yards, and a touchdown for him. Cameron Scarlett, who we talked about on this show, Jordan, uh, I mean, not Jordan, Justin, sorry, uh, hyped on the show that it's honestly, there's so many USFL names now, I'm going to fuck up like people's names that we know, just because all these all seem like creative player names now. But Cameron Scarlett came in, actually had the same amount of touches, could have gotten there with, uh, with Stevie Scott, but ended up having less fantasy points because of not getting the touchdown on that one. And just overall, Pete, like this game was ugly, but you could see like there were signs of fun things like the gamblers were trying to play a wide open offense, but not competent enough to execute it in any way. And I think that's where the USFL is going to have some rubber hit the road is like, Oh, like these teams are trying to run really complex offenses or interesting offenses, but they don't have the time together or the skill to make it work. And that's when the football I think gets its ugliest. Right. And the coaches, you know, they, I'm sure they all come into this experience with, pretty thick playbooks, all these grand ideas and things they'd like to execute, then realize they don't have the personnel or the time to actually do it. And then the playbook, you know, shrinks essentially. And then they're just running the same four plays over and over. I did want to pull this up. Did you see this about the Devion Smith Pizzagate clip? I did, which it's funny because like he was one of those mystery cuts by Pittsburgh and I saw it on social media without his name even listed. and was like, oh, it's Davion Smith. <laughs> and here, here's the clip if Pete can get the, the audio to go. Well, he crossed the line, so we had to deal with it. This is very difficult for me as a head coach. My first time, but we have a business, and this is a business, and you're a businessman. We all are. Is that early to the beast right now? But uh, my first talk to you guys on March 22nd, I had a handbook. I covered some items that were very important to me. Line 46 addresses that. Any disrespect of football or members, staff, USFL, hotel, etc., would not be tolerated. And it's been brought to my attention that has occurred with you. So unfortunately, unfortunately, hear me out. Unfortunately, cost of doing business, I'm going to let you go. Okay. I didn't think I did anything or said anything disrespectful. I, I can tell you what happened exactly. It's not important right right. It's not important. I don't know. It's already happened. Right. It's already happened. I didn't say anything disrespectful. He said, is that going to be a problem? I said, yes. I said, I walked away. I mean, I didn't think that was disrespectful. Me saying, yes, I don't eat chicken salad. And I was like, is there another option? Walked in with pizza. And I was like, can I get a slice of pizza? He said, no. I was like, he said, is that going to be a problem? I said, yes. That's all I said. I didn't say no cuss word, nothing. That's all I said. I promise you, no disrespectful on my dad's life. I promise you I'd say nothing disrespectful besides yes. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. But the matter is, it's done. It's done. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> God. I mean, this is this is like what's supposed to be one of the running backs we're most excited about in the league. You know, everyone was going to have him as one of the top plays. And it, what a clown show. This actually makes me so bearish on the USFL if Deveon Smith got cut. I mean, they do not have the luxury of cutting guys because they didn't eat 
the chicken salad. They just, they, they're already at a lack of talent. You can't be sending guys like Deviant Smith away for this. Talk about turning chicken salad to chicken shit, Pete. That's <laughs> what happened with that one. Frankie's going to tell him the Pasta House will sponsor him on his next team there. I look, Pasta House racking up sponsorships left and right. But Davion Smith, I like, I agree that this is insane. He was a guy that was a workhorse in the XFL. I think this is one of those things where we talked a lot about the Drive to Survive show, how the USFL is trying to maybe manufacture some drama or at least, you know, present some reality TV product with this one. Like, would it shock you if the guy who's like, one of the big names, but also eminently disposable in Davion Smith. They they set him up to fail here by offering him a chicken salad when the man just wanted a pizza. Yeah, I mean, that was, in the way, I mean, Eric says that's the best SNL skit I've seen in years. It literally has the pacing of an SNL skit where you thought he, like, murdered someone, and then we're building to what he did, what he did, and it was like, oh, yeah, I just didn't want chicken salad. I mean, the punchline builds uh, perfectly. Also, we have breaking news, Spags. Mm. Contest for week two of the USFL have begin, begun to be posted in the lobby. It looks like we're going to have a $12. Um, this is for this is just for Friday. So it's TBD if they're going to do um, a full classic slate, but it does look like we have a 25K up top showdown slate for Friday, which I'll take it. Yeah, I think that's not an unreasonable approach. And, uh, you know, it would be nice if they had like a nice big prize pool on everything this weekend to sort of a, a make good, whether it be uh, getting some money from the networks to support them, I think wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world either. Uh, but, you know, good to see the support still coming. And I think ultimately it's, it behooves them to push through this and maybe like the fact that they gave me every dollar back that I would potentially lose Pete. I feel like that's always a solve that I'm like, all right, fine. Fuck it. I'll, let's try again. Like, just don't put the ownership out right now. Like, <laughs> I think that's the main thing I would ask at them. Yeah. And sorry, I was confused. It said Friday sweat in this contest, uh, even though it does say all four games. So maybe oh. this is for the class. If that's true, then that's disappointing that we have gone from a hundred K up top to 25 K. I could see the wonky scheduling of a Friday through Sunday being maybe weird for him. I, I don't know. It's tough. Like I don't, we don't know, like we're not operators. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know anybody well enough at one of the operators to ask these kind of questions, but like, I'm sure there's a math to it. It just sucks when you see so much incompetence, like incompetence around it. And I feel, feel like then you just call everything in question where it's like, you guys even know what you're doing at this point. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's not ideal. It's, it's, yeah. it's not ideal. And you know, to me, I feel like if DraftKings is continuing on with this product, which they clearly are, then like they have to at least give us a chance to fill the big contest. They clearly wanted to do that the first time, and then they messed it up by releasing all the tickets. I mean, it seems like way too big of an overreaction to go from 100K to 25K, and we don't even actually have true data on how well this would fill. I mean, at least give us a 50K and let us see if we can fill it, and then you continue to to scale it down as needed. But this is a this is a bummer. Well, all right, so there we go. So there's something to pull. I guess on Friday we're still going to cover it, though, right? We're still going <laughs> to do mean, our as, best. As long as DraftKings is offering contests, uh, I'm down. I'm 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 more excited for week two because. We'll at least have, I saw actually Freeman just had a tweet. He was already working on uh, market share <laughs> numbers for, for the teams. And so I'm just excited to have much better data heading around and we'll be able to actually play DFS um, a little less blindfolded.
Yeah, and I think you know some interesting notes too. I'll, we're real fast just burn through some of the Panthers lines. Uh, Lance Noir was somebody that uh, did pop up for me with Justin Freeman's projections as I talked about. I was just going to use his on uh, on a different optimizer, so I'll, I didn't use the run to sim one, but I did export and throw it in there um, just to get my exposures the way that I can control a little more easily um, with my limited knowledge base. Lance Noir was somebody that Justin had that ended up paying off pretty well. Six catches, seventy-one yards on a TD, and then we also had the late game, which was I thought pretty decently exciting with the Stars and the Breakers. Kyle Sloter looks solid, but it did hurt his wrist in part of the game. So maybe something to keep an eye on this week. Brian Scott, as I talked about earlier, looked like a, a decent enough player here. Ends up at 200 yards, one touchdown, one pick, but certainly had a lot of opportunity. Uh, we did have one long play broken by Darnell Holland, but still not a lot of touches on the day. It basically was in a timeshare along with Matt Colburn. And then a receiver. Um, I did think that Chris Rowland was one of the best receivers I saw. Kind of, again, it's USFL graded on a scale. Had an Amon Ross St. Brown vibe. <laughs> Pete did did old Chris Rowland and uh, does that is that that's fair right like he's Amon Ross St. Brown's not that good that you can't compare him to a USFL guy no I mean yeah he's not you know a super explosive or you know physical presence out there so I'll allow it I'll allow it it's a it's a very nice dig on Amon Ross and I overall, the stars, I think, were disappointing just because they split, you know, really spread the ball around uh, pretty heavily. And it wouldn't surprise me if Roland wasn't quite as good last week because he was kind of a smaller check down guy. Good in getting into some gaps, but really not overwhelmingly talented by any stretch. And then also uh, worth pointing out in the breakers, TJ Logan was a star by far, but also the best receiver on the breakers, Pete. Do you know who he is offhand by any, by any chance? The best receiver on the breakers? Was it the running back? Was it TJ Logan? It was actually their tight end, Sal Canelo, who would have been welcome to the family this week if we weren't so busy talking about tragic dog losses and such. Wow. Wow. Do we should have. Hang on. Hang on, Spags. We need to pick me up on this show. Welcome to the family, CD. Jebali, what balls on this guy, Amaro? Shit, he's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to family. We're going to welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in here. Hey. Oh, you, oh, hey. Well, you actually <laughs> I didn't realize. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> My apologies. I'll put my hat on. Hey, I wanted to get I wanted to get in on the celebration. It's nice to have somebody with some thick Italian heritage balling out in the USFL for none other than Larry Fedora's. It's Sal Canella. I mean, Larry Fedora, he's out there. But do you know what Larry Fedora was doing in the offseason? Or not the offseason, when he got fired from college and thought he'd never work in coaching again. Uh, he, I'll let you guess. What do you think that man, Larry, Larry Fedora, Larry Vises, what he was doing during his time's off? Well, basically, from my research, it seemed like he was just chugging a bunch of Red Bulls, Spaggies. He was chugging Red Bulls, but working on a farm in Waco, Texas, that presumably he got at a decent discount because of uh, the tragedy around David Koresh, I could only presume. But either way, Larry Fedora was out there, Pete, working the farm. They had some shirtless pics of him doing some doing some hoeing, which is a thing you do on a farm. Uh, but he was crediting it for his happiness, Pete, his longevity as a coach, and, and also his fantastic, phenomenal obliques. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, geez, oh, man, this hat. I'm, we're in we're in off season form with Welcome to the Family here. But uh, I, a hat on a hat is not working for this one time on the show. <laughs> but I I am happy to hear. I, I was actually wondering for for with the projections, it was hard to get tight ends into your lineups, and tight ends ended up doing well. Didn't Bug Howard ended up having uh, a touchdown for the Bandits as well? So uh, maybe we can't overlook these tight ends. 
Yeah, Bug Howard was honestly looked more like a receiver out there from the parts that I was seeing of him. Uh, did only end up with uh, three catches for 14 yards, but did have a touchdown. Had four targets on the day, but again, pretty target agnostic game overall uh, for the Stars. And that seems that might be the case because Brian Scott, they love calling him Pete, uh, Brian Scott because his, you know, he's referred to on his Wikipedia page, the Aaron Rodgers of Division Three. And boy, any chance they had to call him the Aaron Rodgers of Division Three with like no irony either. They were like Brian Scott, basically the Aaron Rodgers of Division Three, even though he's got like Mark Hoppus emo bangs. <laughs> It's quite the ordeal. I mean, that's it's such a it's a, such a sad nickname if you're Brian Scott. I mean, it sounds so good until you say the division three part. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Pete, I think we've covered uh, most of the bases here. Let's real fast NFL news. Baker Mayfield, uh, this, I saw this in the Fantasy Life newsletter, saw it last week floating around, but not as perfectly encapsulated as it was in the Fantasy Life newsletter. So make sure you are subscribed to Pete's work over there. Baker Mayfield feels disrespected by the Browns because of the Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, says a move to Seattle seems likely. How likely do you think that is? Because you never really hear a player saying, oh, Seattle seems pretty likely while hearing nothing on the team level. I know. I thought that was so funny too, <laughs> just because it's like normal. Normally these players are so ambiguous with it. He's like, oh, you know, I'm talking with a few teams, you know, he's just like, no, I think it's going to be Seattle. Um, that seems funny, but it, it does make sense. I mean, Seattle is one of probably a handful of teams that could really, really use uh, a quarterback. And um, I kind of feel like Baker Mayfield would fit in well with Pete Carroll. I mean, you don't want Baker Mayfield throwing the ball 50 times a game anyways try to get the running game going, which he's already uh, is well-versed at handing off the ball in, uh, in Cleveland. So I feel like it makes sense for them. And I don't know if Seattle's not high on any of the quarterbacks in this draft class, and they're not really in the pockets where they might be able to get the guys they want. I, I say, go for it. FF Doom, the chat also pointing out Robbie Anderson did in fact rip him on Instagram for reasons unclear uh, to saying that he didn't want him as the best of Panthers QB. And it's a tough spot for Baker Mayfield. And I, Pete, okay, so you put yourself fellow Pete, Pete Carroll, another Pete uh, that I adore uh, from his run at USC when I was in college there. Um, how, if you really had to choose between Drew Locke and Baker Mayfield, are you like heavily favoring Baker Mayfield in that equation? Um, Yeah, I, I'm taking Baker Mayfield. I just, <clears throat> Drew Locke is... He's more fun uh, in that he's going to do more dumb stuff. But if I'm actually trying to win football games and it's just hard to detach knowing how Pete Carroll wants to play football. And I just think Baker Mayfield is a much, much better fit for what he wants to do than Drew Locke. I mean, Pete Carroll is going to want to strangle Drew Locke by the end of the first quarter of their first game. I think that's reasonable. I think maybe Pete Carroll currently is intrigued by the idea of running the ball even more with the quarterback. And if it's Drew Locke, you can just run him out there and have him run some read options and let him actually take hits and see what you get out of it. Um, so I would go Drew Locke's way personally, you know, especially counting for what you probably have to pay for Baker at an inflated contract that I think would only get cheaper. And if Drew Locke fails, then you'll have a high draft pick next year if you're a Seahawks fan or, or if you're Pete Carroll, though I assume he won't be around for that. Uh, but I do think that's sort of either get the high upside or you flame out miserably. Whereas I feel like Pete, if you have Baker Mayfield in Seattle, they're still probably six and 11, you know, somewhere in that range. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, you're always better off like truly tanking than just being, you know, destined for mediocrity. Um, but yeah, my guess is Pete Carroll and just the way that organization is wired. They're probably not going to go into full on tank mode would just be my guess, but who knows?
And then the last thing to hit on before we jump into that rookie sophomore draft over at Underdog. And if you want to play along with us, get over there right now and use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit match up to $100. Go over play, go play over at Underdog. Use the promo code SPLASH right now and you get into this rookie sophomore draft. We're going to be doing it in a second. Uh, Pete Debo, Samuel, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, all going to skip on-field work during the offseason programs amid a push for new contracts. Uh, sources are telling ESPN, uh, given that it was an Adam Schefter tweet as well, I'm sure the sources are the agents for these guys going. These guys are not going to be going to practice at all until they get paid but an interesting wrinkle here where these guys are probably getting paid earlier in the cycle than they would have otherwise and having to get paid big um do any of them stand out as being not worth that money to you um who were the other it was mclaurin debo and aj brown and aj brown um no i i think those i i view all of those guys as elite wide receivers um i guess mclaurin would be the one where uh, it's a little, maybe not quite in that, that same tier. Um, but he's also had the worst quarterback play of those other guys. So it's kind of hard to, to separate that, but I do think McLaurin, uh, is deserving, uh, of a, of a big extension. Yeah, I think McLaurin to me would be the most replaceable one. A.J. Brown, I would just like to see more upside consistently, given that he just didn't even show that when Julio Jones is out for games last year. Certainly, you know, the other the flotsam they had going around him, it felt like he should have had a breakout game. But maybe it's injuries. We'll see how they go. I think I'd be probably most willing to pay Debo out of all those guys, especially with how they are using him in two different positions, basically. And it feels like that's the kind of thing you want to reward if you're going to be a, a flexible offense like the Niners are. But um, we'll see how those go. And it certainly seems like it's a changing market right now for these teams and maybe something they hadn't accounted for that you have to now pay these receivers early if they are going to be your alpha receiver moving forward yeah that's what is kind of funny about it is the fact that you have all these wide receivers and they're sitting here looking at the you know Devonte adams and tyree kill and Diggs contracts and now it's like yeah you know what i think i actually am going to sit out these and uh because i deserve that money too yeah look i have more power to him again if you can get that money get that money we'll always say that on this show but pete are you ready to hit an underdog rookie sophomore draft the nfl draft is coming up real fast here i know for football outsiders we're doing a mega stream tomorrow with mike tannenbaum former nfl gm and front office guy is going to be part of that stream alongside our iron shots our mike Tanier, and also matt m i think man minuchian i i'm so sorry for matt for not pronouncing his name right but a very sharp data guy from sports info solutions also going to be on that stream so really trying to bring the minds together here to give you guys a different take than Obviously, you know, Josh Hayden grinding some of the mocks. Uh, Mike Leone, we talk about at ETR, grinding the mocks as well for rookies and sophomores. But I think having more perspectives, Pete, is going to be important. So that's why I want to make sure to give that plug for football outsiders. And and you, I know, are doing a lot of diligence on your rookies and sophomores as we get closer to game time, are you not? Yeah, we've uh, been talking about them a lot on ship chasing, you know, taking some heat um, for some of my, you know, very uncontroversial uh, picks here, but no, I, uh, getting caught up to speed and I do enjoy this rookies and sophomore draft. Cause it, uh, it allows you to, uh, focus just, uh, specifically on these guys. And looks like this is going to close, um, when the NFL draft starts on, on the 28th and 54 and a half percent filled now. So, um, who knows, maybe, maybe a little bit of overlay, uh, if not though, uh, we got $20,000 up top and these are four person drafts. Um, but they do go 10 rounds or 12 rounds, sorry. And I still think there's some really fun strategies specifically around quarterbacks, because as you can see here, I mean, the quarterbacks across these two classes is pretty thin. So how you want to play that, I think is, is really the, the biggest strategic point. Have you gotten yourself some Davis Mills here, given your previous apprehension to him in the more traditional super flex drafts with everybody available? I have. Yeah, I've, I've definitely gotten some here and he he hangs around uh, a decent bit. 
Hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Cause I don't think I've done this in the last few weeks when we've had a, a more fleshed out board. Um, I mean, do we go Trey Lance? We, we yeah. never get Trey Lance in anything. <laughs> I know Trey Lance normally goes really early in these, um, like one Oh one or one Oh two. So I'm happy to, uh, take Trey Lance. Although I guess his ADP has fallen maybe with all the Jimmy Garoppolo news recently, people have gotten less confident. So yeah, I'm happy to do Trey Lance. And then, um, I mean, I'm, I'm Waddle or Pitts, I think otherwise. Yeah, I think Waddle feels like a decent play against the inevitability of Tyree kill or what it seems like. So maybe something goes bad. Waddle ends up bubbling up a little bit more and is being underdrafted as a result, but uh, it still feels gross even in this kind of draft. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't mind it. Maybe if, if there was specifically tight end as a, a different onesie position, I think Kyle Pitts would maybe end up becoming the one one just because of how big of a dominant advantage that would give you. But when you lump him in with the, the wide receivers, I do think I prefer, uh, waddle straight up. Also, is this one entirely a, a chat draft right now? I'm seeing Willis in there, Casey in there. Um, a Furiyama, I'm not familiar with if they're in the chat. I've not seen that name before. Yeah, a Furiyama, I'm not familiar with, although maybe I should be. Reveal yourself. You're generally in the chat, lurking, waiting. <laughs> Probably waiting to yell at you if you do something to upset him. That seems to be the way these drafts go. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then just looking at our starting requirements for this. So one QB, one running back, two wide receiver, one flex. Um, so definitely puts a, a little bit of an emphasis on the pass catchers here because you can start up to three of those where you can only start up to two running backs. And then I think because we took Lance one overall, we can kind of kick our QB two down the road a little bit. Um, so I would be looking at probably Elijah Moore or Devonta Smith and then starting to think about uh, a running back. I've, I'm i okay with Elijah Moore here. I do have some fear the Jets are going to bring somebody else in who's going to be a, a more traditional alpha receiver based on all the signs they've sent this offseason. But um, it seemed like you were not into Amon Ross St. Brown. So Got him. Oh. I smoked the lurker right out. Alan, <laughs> I've never even seen you comment in the chat. Welcome. And honestly, that makes me happy. I think that Alan's just here. Welcome aboard, Alan. I hope you don't fuck us over on any of our picks. <laughs> Next thing now that I know you can hear this. Um, um, I think ahead. we should take Eli because we already have a bet on the Niners with Lance and uh, I never take him in the super flex drafts because he's too expensive, but this seems all right. Okay. I was actually curious how you're going to feel about Elijah, given that um, it does feel like they would pull a little bit away from uh, Trey Lance and Mitchell would at least. Um, but I, I think you've always been a big believer in him and I guess that could overcome any sort of uh, any contrarian or any sort of drag on each other they might have. Well, I mean, my, my anti like Eli Mitchell as uh you know as my my crutch phrase here in a vacuum i think he's really exciting i mean he's a young player that proved himself in year one on a organization that wants to run the ball a ton and so that looks good however people are drafting him as if basically there's zero doubt in their mind that he's going to get you know 15 plus touches a game and i just think between the draft and how finicky we've seen shanahan with running backs that i'm generally wanting to take the cheaper of that backfield in drafts. And so I feel, I feel like his ADP is a little rich right now, but in the context of just a rookie sophomore draft in the context of grabbing Trey Lance, I think he, he makes sense. 
And one of only a few guys have actually shown that they could be a bell cow back, whether that holds in um, the Niners offense. I, I don't know. I don't know that I have the confidence overall, uh, but I do think that, you know, uh, in terms of just pure production, what we've seen in terms of ceiling, like there aren't a lot of guys that can get you 200 ground, 200 yards on the ground in this entire draft, Pete. And I feel like that's definitely the case for probably, uh, I guess there actually no, there's three. Never mind. <laughs> that bad take. So I would say, I think we should definitely grab Kenneth Walker uh, as well. And then I'm kind of open to, I still think we don't have to take Davis Mills here. I'd probably say what of your favorite receiver that you see on the board. Um, I mean, Kadarius Tony still being there. I like a lot. Yeah. I would say Tony or Burks uh, for me, I would be happy with either of those. Yeah, I, I would go, yeah, I'd go Tony's way. I just think there's a chance that he's the one that bubbles up in this uh, new offense with Brian Dable, and I'm willing to take that shot just because I'm, I'm not a Kenny Galladay believer. And Tony at least showed us, like, he could be a monster if he's actually fed the ball. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think Tony has uh, big-time upside. I also uh, think Burks is nice. I, I do like mm-hmm. um, the structure of this team. Javante, Fields, Wilson, double tap, and then you still get Amon Ra, Drake, London. Monroe was a USC guy, right? Yeah, he was. He okay. Was, the furry would load up on. Yeah. Him and Drake London. I don't know who I would say is better though. Like Drake London. I, Drake London's getting a lot of hype right now as like kind of a, a new possession receiver, Mike Evans. I think a Monroe might be the better route runner and I, I would probably go his way, but neither was like that. Mike Williams here, ironically, who ended up being the worst pro by a wide margin. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're very different players stylistically. Yeah. Yeah, I think Drake, Drake London fits that more uh, stereotypical prototype for a USC guy. Uh, I th- I think we should I think we should take Malik Willis here. I mean, unless you want to wait for Ritter, I'm just trying to think of what other like high upside quarterback could we pair with Lance. I'm I'm okay taking Willis. I think you know similar archetypes, similar spikiness potentially. Yeah. Um. All right. So we'll take Willis, and then uh, I think I'm still into these wide receivers. I would say yeah, Bate, Bateman, Pickens, Sky Moore. I mean. We got on the football outsiders 40, which is still being updated. I think it was updated actually uh, on the 18th. It looks like so uh, that'd be today. Garrett Wilson uh, is the top graded receiver right now. Drake London, number two, Johan Dotson, number three. Um, you want to, you want to trust the, uh, the big board and go Dotson. Well, I mean, look, we might as well. They are one of the presenting sponsors of the show, Pete. And uh, if you can't trust a presenting sponsor of a show, who can you trust in this workaday world? You can't. You absolutely. And this is, this is how it works is I get all my sky more exposure on ship chasing. And then I get all my Jahan Dotson exposure on, on splash play. It works out perfectly. Do we have a sky more real yet? I feel like you're almost at that point with him emotionally. Uh, buddy, we're way ahead of you. Yes. We've, we've played the sky more real twice now. Oh man, I missed. See, that's what, that's what happens when you miss an episode of ship chasing. We were, I was just totally a setup to make the show look like it's a can't miss. Um, all right, these drafts are absolutely ripping now. Um, let's see here. I think we're done at quarterback. Uh, who do you like? I do like Josh Palmer. Yeah, I like Josh Palmer as well. Uh, we'll take him. And then, you know, running back is starting to get a little thin. Let's see. I, I like Gainwell. We, I know we've taken him a lot in the other, um, in these super flex drafts. Over an underdog. Herbert um, is basically just like another version of Gainwell, at least in my mind. We still have That's, Tyler Beatty very high, but we don't need him now. I would, yeah, I, I would go Gainwell personally, but up to you. Sure, we can go Gainwell. Um, thank you. Yeah, Tyler Beatty was uh, Sean Siegel just wrote up a big article about him over on Rotoviz, and it's funny you mention him because 
he kind of profiles similar to Kenny Gainwell mm-hmm. and has, you know, he was saying probably has not a direct or a clear path to becoming like the lead back of a committee, but he probably has really good odds to having a pass catching role pretty quick out of the gate, just based on, on his profile, depending on where he lands. So um, yeah, I'm definitely opening my eyes to. Yeah. We took Beatty very early on in the shows and I kind of backed off it because it seemed like the market consensus wasn't there. And it's weird then like, I mean, that's just draft season as people have more time to watch tape and then to start to really, really evaluate their boards and all that. But it is weird. Cause like, I remember we talked about Beatty, I think on our first rookie sophomore draft where I was like, Oh yeah, Mike 10 year thought he looked like super explosive when he saw him at the senior bowl. And now he's starting to get there and he's actually ahead of, um, and FO's rankings ahead of Brian Robinson, ahead of Abram Smith, ahead of Rashad white, uh, ahead of Tyler Algayer, who's getting a lot of hype. So um, Beatty could be sneaky if you are trying to get somebody low owned in one of these drafts. Yeah. I was just going to say that's one of the best, um, cases for someone like him too, is just knowing that he's not going to be drafted in the majority of these. Um, I think we can, we can finish out with, I mean, I think we have to do Beatty after talking about him so much. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, um, and then maybe one more wide receiver here gives us a, a two, four, six build. I would say. Um, any of these, these rookies, Pierce or, or Tolbert, probably. Hmm. Let's see. Tolbert. I'm look, pulling up the FO 40 here. And this is what I like to do during drafts. You, your mileage may vary. Um, yeah, Tolbert, I wouldn't mind. He's ranked number 23 overall on the FO 40 board. Six, three, one ninety. Those seem like decent numbers to go towards. All right. So we have wrapped up our, uh, draft here, checking in on some of these other teams, Willis, uh, lots of star power there up at the top. Got Chase, Brees Hall, and Pitts. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Michael Carter, Garrett Wilson. Oops. Got rugged on that. Uh, this is going to take a second to uh, <laughs> to pull up the full draft board, but how do you feel about this squad, though? I like what we did here. I do. Willis certainly, I think, gravitates towards the stars, and there's never going to be anything wrong with that. I did think Alan Furuyama did a good job, though, working the room. So I, our lurker here, sometimes uh, those who are have the most to say, say the least, and that could be the case for Alan Furuyama here because that team, I think, as he was going, I was like, damn, he just, he's kind of working the room a little bit here. I had to do uh, naming this team after uh, our last running back pick. Is, is that the only <laughs> way I know how to do it? Yeah, we are. We um, call ourselves Beatty's Baddies on this show, I believe. Yeah. Well, I always think of um, the the gif from the uh, from Peep Show where he says, "Are we the Baddies?" Uh, do you, are you familiar with that? Show? I am familiar with that one. Yes. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Can I pull up the full draft? Okay. Here we go. Um. Yeah. Willis was stacked here, and he did get Sky Moore. That's why I couldn't play the clip. Willis is because you sniped him from us. <laughs> Um, and Willis went kind of late round QB there with Mills, Pickett and Ritter, which I definitely think is, is the way to do it. If you're able to get, you know, Chase, Brees, Hall and Pitts, Casey got both Najee and ETN got the stack there with Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones with Ramondre Stevenson. So the, uh, the double quarterback running back stacks there, then loading up on a lot of wide receivers and then our lurker there with um very structural running back two quarterbacks then five wide receivers before going back to the rookie running back well yeah i guess that's the one thing you'd say about alan furyama's draft there's not a lot of jazz to it definitely more of a a classic in out in out (laughs) it's draft for alan furyama but i like what he did there like i felt like he got good picks and in the qbs early and i guess pete you know you you love to sauce these teams who had the best draft and, and why is it us um 
I mean, of course I'm biased. I like our draft. Otherwise, I think I like Willis partly because, I mean, just think about it this way, even looking at standard ADP. I mean, I, I do think Jamar Chase is such a, a cheat code in this contest because he has a way of separating from the other wide receivers in just such a big way. Like Jamar Chase could finish as the wide receiver one this year. I don't think that would surprise a single person. And you're looking at guys like Jalen Waddle and Elijah Moore, who, you know, Devonta Smith, I'm excited about those guys, but you know, their most realistic outcome is, you know, maybe they're a, a top 15 wide receiver. So if Chase separates that much from them, it's going to be really hard to win this without Chase. And so it's very hard not to like the Chase teams the most. Yeah, and I think, you know, Casey, too, uh, the two running backs that he got were certainly ones that I think are going to be game flow independent. You know, definitely could see a lot of spots where these guys are from behind getting a lot of check down passes. Lord knows that Pittsburgh team <laughs> they need somebody who can catch something and keep it easy. Uh, so, look, it, it's hard to have a bad team in these drafts. So go play over in the rookie sophomore drafts over on underdog. As Pete mentioned, they're going to be gone coming NFL draft time. So you're not going to be losing an edge to anybody. Have no fear about that. But go play and use the promo code SPLASH for up to a $100 deposit match. And make sure you're following at Splash Play Pod. We are, of course, putting out whenever we're doing shows on there, trying to get some more clips in the ecosystem, hopefully some more things to come. So follow that. And, of course, uh, subscribe to the Pete's channel. Subscribe to the Splash Play channel. Hit the like button on anything you come across from Splash Play because we are going to be doing more of that. It's not just empty words here. It's going to happen at some point, I promise. Pete, anything for you here you want to say before we call it quits? Well, did you want, did you want, people wanted to know if we were going to build a quick lineup for tonight. Oh. Did you want to do that? Oh yeah, we can. We certainly can. Was that, or did we say we were going to do that? I can't remember. I might be. I think somebody asked and then we just kind of thought we should. Because <laughs> how that went. Why don't we, why don't we do it here? Um, it looks like we do have a showdown special tonight with 10K to first. Mm -hmm. um, so let's, uh, let's pull this up here. I might have to uh, do what I always do when I make lineups and pull up the Sims because otherwise I don't know if I'm going to have any many takes here. Um, do you do you have a spot uh, where you'd like to start us? So I think it's interesting. Tamu is going to be the most owned captain, I would guess here. And this is not me looking at the Sims, um, though certainly I am informed by a lot of the projections out there, including on Justin's site or on the Sims. Um, I think Tamu is going to be the captain. So I would go to one of his receivers in the hopes that he somehow has learned the past this time away and go to Derek Willies would be my thought of captain. Yeah, the only thought on that, and this is why I wanted to check, but I do know on the main slate, Derek Willies was projecting to be one of the highest-owned wide receivers. Mm. So I don't know if that would follow um, over into this or not, but that would be my only concern by him. I am just going to run the Sims real quickly just okay. to see what uh, is popping up here. And uh, I can actually... Uh, can actually pull this up real quick just so everybody can see what i'm seeing here and for the record i do love Madre london he is still my pick that's why we're not doing updated ride or die picks because for me it is still Madre london's going to win somebody a lot of money tonight whether it be in that main slate or one of the other uh satellite ones that have popped up since uh, but Madre london a guy a captain that i wouldn't be opposed to taking because i think there's a lot of game scripts where he can get there yeah um he was another guy that at least in the sims uh for the classic slate looked a little over on so wow um yeah jordan tiamu running away with his captain rate up here at 27 percent. this is like similar to when lamar jackson and the ravens were on a showdown slate and lamar man my throat i'm struggling today oh uh, you probably all the emotion for me up in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, there's your guy, Madre London though. Uh, second. So actually Derek Willie doesn't look like he's going to be quite as, uh, 
I guess this doesn't have ownership, so I don't know. But I'm completely fine with Willies if he's not going to be, you know, mega chalky because everyone's playing Tiamo. Yeah, I think just taking Willies gives you a shot to maybe say that Tiamo's learned to be more in the pocket. And the XFL, his main value is rushing over and over again. Um, so I think if you take Willies as a captain, you're, you know, placing a bet that has a logic to it. We've, you know, we talk about the cliche thing of telling a story with your lineups. I think the story that Jordan Tamu learned to throw in his time away, you know, also was a backup for Patrick Mahomes for a period, um, or at least on that practice squad and was, you know, certainly involved with the chiefs organization. Uh, I think there's a bet there. So Willie's there. And then, you know, I would assume you'll play Tamu, but who do you want to take next? Yeah. Um, we'll put in, uh, we'll put in Tiamu here. I do think if we're playing Willie's, we should, we should play him. And, uh, yeah. Who do you have up next? So Rashard Davis was very good in the XFL, if I'm remembering correctly. And Jeff Thomas is the higher price guy. So I presume people um, will go that way if they have the choice at receiver. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I guess going with two Tampa Bay receivers might be a little greedy for Tamu and what we've seen in the past. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the way I would like that, I think ideally I would play this is just with a 5-1 onslaught um, and just hoping that, we nail which team is the best. And I feel pretty confident that the bandits are the better team. Although me saying, I feel confident without having knowing anything, but they did come in at the betting favorites. I think Tiabu is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So I guess I'm just saying, I wouldn't mind just onslaughting the team we think is going to win. The line did move a point, by the way, from our Friday show it was four and a half on Fridays, five and a half today over on Fox bet, which is the official betting partner. So I feel like they must have the theoretically better or more the most accurate news items leading to the odds. Um, so I, I could support that. So let's go Evans then at running back. Yeah. I mean, if Tampa Bay is going to roll, um, I think he's gonna be a part of it and I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll toss in the bandits defense as well. Okay. And I will take my, for the one, I think we should take Madre London. I just think he's going to get checked down. So I think he's going to get into space. I think he scores. I think it's very possible. He scores a long touchdown tonight. So Madre London would be my pick over in the, the, of the other uh, traditional pass catchers. Okay. That works. And then I would like to find one more bandit to toss in here. So let's see, maybe Derek Dillon. So people will take Dylan if they have this construct though, right? So maybe we need to dig deeper True. down the depth chart. Lasley. Um, let me see. He, let me pull up he bounced around in the NFL for a little bit. I don't hate that conceptually. I'm pulling up actually the run the Sims and the Osmo projections together on one sheet that I talked about doing on Friday's show. Um, yeah, they have Dylan as the second highest projected collectively. It looks like, and then Lasley not far behind for either. So yeah, I think Lasley would be like the tournament option. Yeah. You know what's so funny about this? So I'm looking now before I had pulled up on the Sims, the um, optimal rate. And then I went over to the custom lineups to see which lineup is appearing the most. A version of this lineup is the most frequented uh, winning lineup in the Sims. And it's just swapping out Willie's for Tiamu at captain and, and then swapping Ooh. in Dylan for Lasley. So, so that's like logical. That's a really logical lineup. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the most frequented. So I think we're, we're onto something here pretty naturally. So yeah, feel free to dupe it if you must. No, don't say feel free. You need to beg them not to dupe it. Isn't that the show? Like I I'm going against your shirt. You don't want to be duped. I'm like, Hey, feel free to dupe it. It's all positive vibes here. Well then oh, you can't, you need to make your own lineups then. Cause I can't have mine, uh, being duped like that. This is, this is awful. Well, now, well, then for them, if they really want to win the tournament, dupe off of or, you know, like deviate off of what we just did by like, you know, one degree. And then they'll be different from those ones that you said were looking the best. They'll be different from ours. And then everybody wins. Yeah. Let me tell you guys some wide receivers you can put in instead. Let's see. You want to put in Cheyenne O'Grady. 
at tight end instead go for it uh yeah daquan hampton you can put him in there you can put yeah Vinny. oh man welcome to the family Vinny papal <laughs> well Al, uh, alex is watching one of the usfl things last night and i guess like he's a handsome guy with nice eyebrows and she was like oh like you really i have she made some stupid eyebrow joke uh, which, we, which we didn't need given the vibe overall but vince papal's son uh famous i think eagles guy i think he's the invincible yeah. guy so like the son i guess also good looking and then has some philly goodwill but did not end up a philadelphia star which feels like shooting fish in a barrel I guess so. I guess so. Poor, poor Vinny Papal. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully you guys do well tonight. Pete, any final words for you before we call it quits? Uh, no. Um, I appreciate you sharing that stuff about Cali at the top of the show. I know you're having a, a rough day and I know we all appreciate you, uh, toughing through it to, uh, to do the show, uh, today. I had lots of fun chopping it up as usual. No, thank you guys. And, you know, thank you for watching the show and thank you for, you know, indulging me on that because ultimately I just want people out there to know like, Hey, love your dogs while you have them do the best you can. And if you have the room in your life, go really go adopt a dog. Cause it'll change your life and change theirs as well. Uh, come back on Friday. We'll be back here doing more USFL previews, maybe some NFL draft stuff. We'll see what Pete and I get up to in the lab. We will be back Friday at, um, are we, are we back to two 30 Eastern this week or are we? Yeah, I'm, I'm good for okay. our usual time. Yep. Cool. So Friday, 2.30 Eastern, we'll be back. We'll talk to me USFL. We'll preview that as best we can as well uh, with a full week of information. So come join us then. Subscribe to Peach channel. Subscribe to the Splash Play channel. And, and thank you guys if you've shown me any love on social media or even if you just read the shit that I put out on Instagram. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it a bunch. And Callie would too. So enjoy your days, guys. Good luck.